Welcome back, everyone, to the 5571 Podcast. My name is Danny, and today we're going to talk all about the Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival, which started this Friday, March 3rd, over at Disney California Adventure Park. And I was there on opening day, as well as on Saturday the next day, to kind of get the lay of the land and try all the things at all the different booths, at least the ones that I could, use that Sigma Saver Pass, and then share with you what I thought were my top three items or recommendations recommendations, and of course share the ones I didn't like so much. But it doesn't mean that they're not good. Maybe it just wasn't for me. But in any case, that'll be our Main Street topic. But first, let's go ahead and get into the 5571 news to go over some of the news you might have missed and some of the breaking news that we just found out. First up in the 5571 news segment, I wanted to talk about a ride refurbishment currently underway, which is Grizzly River Run over at Disney California Adventure Park. Now, this attraction closed way back in January um, for its regular standard refurbishment, um, and it's finally got a date to come back in service, which is going to be March 17th. Um, It's going to be closed through March 16th, reopening on March 17th. But the reason why this is significant and why I want to mention it is because as we talk about in my videos on my YouTube channel, Just Ask Danny, um, the reservoir or the holding area for all the water for Grizzly River Run is actually the water that surrounds the Pacific Wharf area, or right now, currently in transition, the San Francisco Square. Now, this is the area directly underneath the San Francisco Square Bridge, which is being erected and you know, completely renovated and painted right now, as well as all the exterior of the buildings um, outside Pacific Wharf, which are going to be painted as well and kind of given that Japanese writing um, to kind of better represent San Francisco Square. Now, the reason why this is significant is we know that Grizzly River Run cannot reopen without that reservoir filled, which means that the bridge construction and the construction along the side of the building with all that scaffolding that's going into the reservoir pretty much has to be completed or close to being completed. Now we know San Francisco Square is not going to be ever something that's closed altogether for that Pacific Wharf area where it's like completely blocked off and all of San Francisco Square isn't going to reopen on March 17th. It's going to be in phases. Disney already talked about this too. They said that the area would close in phases in different areas and as each area would close, they would reopen another. So it would kind of just be open the entire time. They've done this before in other areas as well, too. It's not truly a major, massive renovation or rehaul of this area, but it is a complete retheming, and it's totally something they can do while it's being, uh, while it's closed and open in certain areas. Now, what areas are closed right now? Of course, the bridge access, which is being turned into that Golden Gate style bridge for San Francisco Square, and then all the right-hand side windows of the Cocina Cucamonga restaurant um, as they build the cerveceria um, attached to that on the right hand side. Now, um, the cerveceria is going to be the new place to get your beer over in San Francisco Square. Right now, it's the Pacific Distribution Company, I think it's called, which is that Carl Strauss beer truck. Um, but of course, that's going to be the home on that side of the land there for the uh, Big Hero 6 meet and greet for Baymax, Hero, and maybe um, some other characters from the movie as well, too. Um, but as the Severseria um, reopens and, and debuts into this new version um, that has like Japanese and, and Mexican influence in it as far and also Japanese and Mexican beers from what Disney kind of hinted at in their update. Um, that's when I believe we'll see the beer truck go away. I don't think that Disney's going to want to actually close that beer truck 
um, and, and miss out on that revenue, especially during Food and Wine Festival, which really brings a lot more traffic to this area as well, in my opinion. Um, but once that new location opens, I think that's when we'll see the beer truck go away and the construction start over there for the Big Hero 6 meet and greet. Um, but back to Grizzly River Run. With the attraction having its reopening date on March 17th, I think it really gives us an idea of when we'll see the finished product of that bridge and all those buildings, at least on the exterior painting on the outside. Um, because, like I mentioned, that water reservoir has to be refilled in order for the attraction to operate. Um, and that attraction's water is, you know, chemically treated in a way that's safe so that it can be, you know, drenched on guests. It has to be you know, treated much like a pool would be with, you know, certain chlorine chemicals and all that stuff. So they can't really have construction, paint and, you know, scaffolding and other metal objects in the water um, that affect the water's chemical balance, right? They have to check that regularly. So that I think is a good indicator when we'll see the bridge completed and maybe even reopen, um, or maybe they do keep it closed for a while, but I think it's going to be a good kind of, um, time to kind of see things wrap up. So I would say over the next couple weeks, over the next 10 to 11 days, we're really going to see things ramp up over at um, the Pacific Wharf area. And especially on that bridge, I would imagine probably this coming week, we'll see the big pylons coming in to really anchor the bridge for that Golden Gate style that it's going for. Other refurbishments in progress right now, probably at the time of you listening to this podcast, is going to be the Mark Twain Riverboat. That closure started on March 6th and is going to be going through March 9th uh, for the Mark Twain Riverboat. Phantasmic isn't running during this time, so it's not going to affect the show uh, for only that three-day closure. So early last week, Disney also announced um, some more details in regards to Mickey's Toontown as we're getting ever so closer to that March 19th new reopening date as it was pushed back a little bit for Mickey's Toontown. Now, um, what we did find out in that new latest update were the names of the two new cafe or dining locations, quick service locations um, that are going to be inside uh, Mickey's Toontown serving food and snacks. So before the Goofy's Gas location, which wasn't a food location at all, it was just kind of like a photo op and kind of fun interactive area. It had an also um, cold water drinking fountain that a lot of people like to visit regularly. That's actually now going to be called Good Boy Grocers with a Pluto theme to it. And it's going to be serving fruit, you know, pickles, drinks, bottled drinks, stuff like that. You know, those stands you normally see around Disneyland that have like the buckets of ice with the different things on it. But um, more specifically, it's going to be offering the perfect picnic basket. Now, Disney hinted at this when they first announced Mickey's Toontown. They kept talking about how families would be picnicking or could picnic on these new grass open areas that they were going to have in the Centennial Park and over in that new grassy area that was being built by Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, which we've now seen as Mickey's Toontown has opened in different sections. But Regardless of that, they did confirm that, of course, they would be selling a picnic basket. And I, I kind of hinted that as well on Mondo's uh, Speculation Sunday when we, you know, a long time ago, we talked about after the announcement, we we're like, man, they're probably going to sell like picnic basket kits because they keep talking about families picnicking. Um, although I assume they would have full on meals in those picnics. Um, this picnic kit, the perfect picnic basket 
um, is going to come in two different variations. Um, and you can actually find them all in the Disneyland app. Now, if you want to look at pricing and if you want to look at kind of what comes with it, um, but there's two different variations of it. There's going to be one with a blanket and one without the blanket. So if you don't want the blanket, you bring your own blanket. Um, you can get it without it. Uh, and I think it's $11 cheaper without the blanket. So it's $11 for the blanket. Uh, and it's a pretty good sized blanket. Um, it's not super large, um, but it is themed to match the basket. And more importantly, themed to match the perfect picnic, which is the theme of um, Runaway Railway. So it's kind of a cool, like keepsake to have really based off of the attraction you know mickey and minnie are picnicking at the end of the uh, of the attraction as you're ending the ride and so this is kind of like you're recreating that so it is a nice little keepsake and i would technically call it um uh, ride merchandise right for mickey and minnie's runaway railway um but essentially it's going to be a picnic basket that kind of looks a lot like a popcorn bucket you know a themed popcorn bucket even has the strap too that you can carry it after um, you're done using it but it does function as a picnic basket and it does come with a variety of snacks i think you get to pick up to three snacks um, and then it has some bottled drinks that it comes with as well too that you can select from um, it's really just a snack picnic so um, you know disney's probably not wanting people to spend too much time you know, at, in one time and uh, on the picnic areas, there's not probably all that much space. So they need to try to accommodate more guests. So I feel like that's probably why they didn't do straight up food. Um, but besides good boy grocers, which again, is just going to be your normal kind of standard snack fair location. We did get the location name of the new quick service dining restaurant in Mickey's Toontown which is going to be called Cafe Daisy. Now, this used to be called Daisy's Diner, and we've talked about that in previous episodes too. It did serve those individual pan pizzas that they had prior, something very similar to um, Pizza Rizzo over at Disney's Hollywood Studios for any of my guests who frequent or have visited um, you know, the Walt Disney World Resort. Over in Hollywood Studios in their Muppets kind of land area, um, they have Pizza Rizzo. It's one of my favorite places to go, actually. Um, and they serve those same style of pizzas. So Daisy's Diner used to serve that. And it looks like they're still going to in a small fashion. So the kids' meals still have those options. So, But they're really small. The kids' meals, pizzas are super tiny. They're like the size of a cookie, if you can imagine that. But not very big, but perfect for kids. Um, but if you want that taste, you can still get it, I guess. But just in kids' meal form. Um, but more importantly, they really added a lot of unique foods to this location, uh, more than was certainly served at Daisy's Diner. So Cafe Daisy um, is going to be featuring um, a few signature items, including Daisy's Dressed Up Dog, which is an all-beef foot-long hot dog that has their new chili cheese sauce, which looks a lot, based on the picture, like the queso dip that you might get at Chili. So if you ever had that, it kind of looks the same. It's like nacho cheese mixed with chili in like a, you know, one kind of sauce. Um, so the dressed up dog gonna have a foot long hot dog, that chili cheese sauce on it and mac and cheese with Parmesan potato crispies and then house made chips on the side. So this is a, a monstrous looking, you know, item and it looks pretty good actually uh, for those that can have that, but it does look very, very good. Uh, and this is gonna be one of the featured items there. Of course, they're gonna serve just standard regular hot dogs as well. That's gonna be just called the Daisy Dog. Um, and it's just a foot long hot dog um, and those house chips as well too. But it looks like the signature item for this location um, it's still going to be pizza, but it's a new style of pizza that we haven't really seen at Disneyland Resort before. And that is the pizza flopover. 
So essentially, this is kind of like a imagine like a pizza that's a round pizza and then they kind of flop it over. But the outside of it, which is the underside, I guess you could say, is like garlic bread. So it's like two things in one. So it's like garlic bread and pizza together making like kind of a taco or a panini. So uh, very unique looking. They have like a cheese one and a pepperoni pizza one. And all of these, again, are in the Disneyland app, so you can look at pricing and see kind of what they have and the descriptions of that. They do have some plant-based offerings as well, too. They're going to have a spring garden wrap with a house-made chips as well. Um, And it is uh, with a creamy lemon dressing, but this is uh, vegan-based, so it's going to be some sort of, like, cashew or other, you know, nut that makes it creamy. So... Uh, no dairy in that particular item, which is great that they're offering alternatives like that. And then this location is also going to be serving other kind of side appetizer items. So that chili cheese sauce that we talked about that kind of looks like queso dip, they're actually going to serve that with chips, kind of like a queso dip. So that'll be a great option to take um, as like to your picnic maybe, or just um, enjoy as like a side with the hot dog. Uh, and they're also going to have um, Daisy's Goody Goody Donuts, uh, which are like little mini sized donuts. Um, maybe something that you'd find at Lamplight Lounge, kind of that same similar style. They look like um, cinnamon sugar dusted. So they're almost like churro donuts. And uh, these look really awesome too. Um, I'm definitely going to try those little donuts for sure. Um, and they're even going to have two signature drinks that they're highlighting. One's called the Picnic Time Watermelon Lemonade, which that absolutely spring uh screams spring and summer which is perfect and it even has like little watermelon candies floating in it so it looks really really good and then they're also going to have specialty cold brew over here made with joffrey's coffee so lots of things confirmed for this area of course they're going to have um you know standard coke and things and stuff like that but what we saw more recently after they made this announcement was disney put up the sign for cafe daisy which wasn't there prior and Pluto's Doghouse, which used to be a quick service location um, counter over at uh, Mickey's Toontown, now is a window that matches Cafe Daisy. So my guess is like Pluto's Doghouse is going to be like the mobile order pickup area because this location is going to offer mobile order. Um, and then the main Cafe Daisy window right next to it is probably going to be just for guests that are walking up and um, queuing in like a normal queue outside the restaurant and then picking up at the same window, maybe on the right side. So guessing one is for mobile order and one is for um, regular access. And then right next to that is what looks like Daisy's apartment. Um, We saw and heard some cast members telling us that this would be her new kind of apartment meet and greet location. So all right there by Cafe Daisy is going to be like her spot just outside the attraction, which is nice. Daisy's really never had a spot in Disneyland before. So Um, this is going to be her spot. She hasn't had a spot in Toontown. She used to always just meet and greet guests right outside Minnie's house. So this will be her own location. Next up, of course, Disney California Adventure Park kicked off the California Food and Wine Festival starting March 3rd, going all the way until April 25th. Now, of course, I wanted to mention one thing that a lot of people kind of glossed over or forgot about. Soarin' Around the World is actually soarin' over California again during this event. A lot of people don't remember that, but of course, that is available now all the way until April 25th. So if you do enjoy the original version of the attraction, Soarin' Over California, it's back again um, over at Disney California Adventure Park. So Use your Genie Plus Lightning Lanes or just queue up for the attraction 
but keep in mind it is the older version and not the newer one. And of course, Disney brought back the Sip and Savor Pass for the California Adventure Food and Wine Festival. It is going to be $54 for Magic Key holders and $59 for non-Magic Key holders, and it's going to give you eight different tabs. So it ends up being a little over $7, I believe, if you're doing the math uh, for uh, each of the items. So if there are a few items that are at $9 or just under $9. So if you get of them a couple of the more expensive ones um, and, and then get ones that are of less than $7, like some dessert items that you want to get, it'll all equal out and you'll probably still end up saving money, especially if you're getting it with that magic key holder discount. But definitely make sure that you're getting your money's worth on that. And we'll talk about some of the top items to get and some areas not to miss um, later on when we get into our Main Street topic. And we've talked about this before as well in regards to Magic Band Plus, but Disney had originally teased when they were setting up for the Disney 100 celebration that some of the decorations, statues, and, you know, medallions and things like that that they put up for the Disney 100 celebration would be interactive with Magic Band Plus, something like we've seen already over at Walt Disney World for its 50th anniversary and all the different uh, statues that are all over the place that interact with guests uh, Magic Band Plus as well. So they have finally brought that to those decorations that are being featured right now. It looks like it's only so far the giant medallion on Buena Vista Street, um, the two big medallions in downtown Disney, and that giant Mickey statue, that platinum Mickey statue in downtown Disney attached to the ESPN zone. Um, there's actually like a little Mickey voice that comes out of that one when you um, activate it with your magic band. Now, I sat around and kind of figured this out um, because it was a little bit tricky, but essentially um, the, the best way to describe how to do it, because a lot of people kind of sit there waving their hand trying to figure it out. Um, when you approach the magic band, as long as your magic band is on and charge, when you approach that decoration, it'll start to do a pre-vibrate. You'll feel it vibrate. You'll see it light up. And as soon as you feel that pre-vibrate, that's your cue to kind of rotate your hand around in a circle right after that pre-vibration. Um, and then you'll get a long vibration as a confirmation that you were the one that activated the magic moment. Um, and as for the medallions, they kind of light up along the bottom and make some sort of sound effect or kind of magical noise. Um, it's more noticeable at nighttime, obviously, since you can't see the lights during the day, since it's kind of like a fiber optic moment. Um, but you can hear the sounds all throughout the day. Saw a lot of guests trying to activate these, and Disney has a little bit of an instruction, but it seemed like it was a little bit of confusion. So again, get close to the statue or the item, get that pre-vibration tap on your wrist, and then once you get it, swing your wrist around in a 360 degree motion, making that circle, and then you'll get that longer vibration confirmation that you've activated it. It's worked every time now when I did it that way. So you're you're less, you know, looking like a weirdo sitting there <laughs> rotating your arm around trying to get it to work, which is what I was trying to do the first time I did it. Um, I'm hoping we'll see a lot more of these activations hopefully in the Adventureland Treehouse, um, maybe in the future with some holiday decorations like Christmas time and Halloween. They could get really fun with it. So I hope Disney uses this a lot more. I thought we might have seen some interactivity with Magic Happens Parade. We didn't see any of that added. Maybe that's something they'll add in the future. Right now, it's just going to be 
um, Wondrous Journeys and World of Color 1 that activate the Magic Band, as well as um, Phantasmic, and then of course these decorations. So um, of course, some other things are going to be coming to Mickey's Toontown. Not sure if it's debuting on March 19th, but we were told by Imagineers at D23 Expo that we would get interactivity at some point in Mickey's Toontown with Magic Band. So we'll have to wait and see if that's day one or shortly thereafter. And then, of course, we'll keep our eyes on the Adventureland Treehouse when that reopens to see if they happen to bring it there as well, too. But I really do hope they continue to do this, of course, and bring some value to that magic band to really make it a kind of full day experience and, and kind of side quest and fun thing to do for kids and adults um, throughout the day that really want to not have to just go on rides and want to kind of do other things. So um, they could really make it fun. There's a lot of possibility with Magic Band Plus. So I hope we continue to see stuff like this um, in the near future. So now on to our main street topic for the week. We're going to be talking about all things Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival, of course, which kicked off this last Friday. Um, we didn't see any new booths this year, um, but we saw a lot of new food items and some new placement of the booths kind of spread out a little bit more. It seemed like Disney was maybe trying to um, do a little bit uh, different rearrangement of the booths to maybe trying to spread out crowds and prevent some large lines kind of clumping in the main corridor. Um, but what we did see were two booths now over in the Hollywoodland area. So we saw LA Style over there, as well as I Heart Artichokes. Those were over by Monsters Inc. and that Avengers Superstore in Hollywoodland. So all the way back there, don't forget those locations are there. And then along the main corridor, we saw all the main booths um, that you would normally see um, with a couple, um, just one actually tucked back in that little Mermaid Street, San Francisco Street there. And then um, the, the area immediately behind Carthay Circle, we actually saw two booths back there instead of just one. So that's another location where they kind of stuck more to kind of maybe get crowds out of the way. Um, that was going to be the Delish booth and the Berry Patch booth. So I just wanted to call those out because those ones are kind of hidden and people were looking for those. So um, there's two behind Carthay Circle in that kind of round, like uh, separate area. And then over in Hollywoodland, those other two booths, don't forget about those. Um, those are some great options and some great food items items in there so but I wanted to get into my top three items that I had now I did get the sip and saver pass um, I was there with Mondo from five fires YouTube and we were trying a bunch of different things he was able to try some of the things I couldn't because I do have a dairy allergy so I need to avoid a lot of things I can come sometimes eat around it because it's not a severe allergy um, but uh, there are some items I have to completely avoid right um, so he was able to try those and give an opinion on that. So I can really share with you, um, some of my recommendations and some things to avoid that I thought to avoid. And that Mondo definitely was said that you should avoid as well too. Now, starting off with my favorite item. Now, if you've talked, or if you've seen me talking on speculation Sunday or saw my video when I talked about it, um, this item was my favorite item last year as well, and they brought it back this year too. And it's going to be over at the LA Style booth in Hollywoodland. It's going to be the Impossible Meat Gyro, Gyro, I don't know how to say that ever. I always say it wrong. Inspired um, Naan, which is going to have that Gyro inspired um, Impossible ground beef. So they flavored it in a way that kind of makes it taste like Gyro. Um, and it has Chipotle hummus 
tzatziki yogurt sauce and spiced crispy chickpeas um now this one just all the flavors really work well together the impossible ground beef is seasoned super amazingly with like this awesome uh seasoning that really does make it taste like um jiro meat you know if you ever had that before um and the naan is cooked really really well of course um the tzatziki sauce is uh also plant-based as well too i think is what they mentioned but definitely check if you are vegan they'll let you know um but i did ask for that not on it and they they accommodated that for me actually i know they don't always but they did this time um and then the chickpeas are really good they're super spicy but this one i definitely love it it's a it's a big one i feel like you could share i mean we cut it into four different pieces so it's definitely one that you can share um, and this is one of the the two featured items at that LA style booth that were actually pretty popular with a lot of guests. The other one was the glazed barbecue pork belly. I didn't get this one actually, um, but I know a lot of people really did enjoy this one. But definitely my number one is that impossible style um, uh, Jiro inspired flatbread there. So if you're going to the festival, I highly recommend that one. I'm not a super big impossible person. Um, but this one was just really good. And, and even Mondo said the same thing. He's not a big impossible meat person either. And he actually ended up liking this one. So number one pick, definitely that one. Um, it's just a lot of flavors and it all worked really well. My number two pick comes from the booth called Cluck-A-Doodle-Moo. This one's going to be closer to the Golden Zephyr attraction as you're walking towards Pixar Pier. Um, and this one is going to be the smoked honey habanero chicken wings. Now, these chicken wings are, in my opinion, they were really good. They gave us two drumettes and two flats uh, for the tasting. So I feel like it's a lot for one tasting sample or one tasting tab. And um, they were really flavorful. They're not too hot, even though you see habanero. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be, uh, you know, scared to try them. They have excellent flavor. The honey really makes it sweet. It's got that sweet, spicy kind of mix going on. It is a little bit spicy, but I don't feel like it's too spicy. So definitely um, check this one out. That's my number two pick um, during the festival. And then lastly, my number three item was actually from the Delish booth. That's going to be over in that area right behind Carthay Circle Restaurant in that kind of round area back there. Um, this was going to be the beef and barley poutine. Um, potato bites, um, essentially tater tots, and uh, braised beef short rib cheese curds, stout gravy, and a lager micro sponge, essentially like a little bread soaked in um, beer. And then the the gravy itself was also made with beer. Uh, and the potato bites were good. The beef was amazing. All the flavors just worked really well on this. Um, the cheese curds for me as, as someone with a dairy allergy was pretty easy to avoid, right? So I could just eat around those and the beef was kind of on top of it by itself. It was really, really good. This was a, a pretty large portion as well, too. Definitely one that you could share. Um, and I and it's also on the more expensive side since it is a beef item. Um, so this one's definitely good to use your tab on because you'll get your money's worth on this one for sure. Um, but again, this is the beef and barley poutine, my number three pick um, over at the D-Lish booth. So all three of my picks this year are going to be like savory entree-ish items. Um, no desserts on my top picks, but there were a lot of great call-outs, at least from um, people that were able to try them, of course. I wanted to give a special shout-out to um, the Berry Patch booth as it featured 
Kenny's Family Cheesecake. Now, this was the talk of the festival, and a lot of cast members were trying to point this out to us. Ken Potrock, who's actually the president of Disneyland Resort, this is his family recipe of cheesecake. So I guess at some point in his childhood, his family owned a restaurant, and this was their restaurant family recipe cheesecake, and he actually worked with the culinary team to recreate it for guests um, in the park at the Berry Patch booth. So he was actually there seeing what guests thought uh, about the cheesecake. It's essentially just kind of a normal cheesecake, right? But it's got their own style, their own flair to it, and it's topped with a mixed berry compote. So um, a lot of people, everyone was trying it, obviously couldn't try this one, but everyone in our group who tried it really loved it. All the other people I talked to, um, as I had just run into throughout the day, they all loved it too. It seemed like the general consensus was this was a win. And um, this particular item, it's pretty small though. Um, I feel like every year the cheesecake and the dessert kind of cups get a little bit smaller and smaller. Um, it's kind of, I don't know how to describe the size. I would say um, it's maybe uh, the size of like an, uh, of an apple, like circumference wise. It's not very big, uh, not very deep either. Um, and it is relatively on the cheaper side when it comes to the items available at booths. So I definitely wouldn't recommend using your tab on this item unless you've used your tabs on a lot more of the expensive items and this kind of still equaled out to where you got your money's worth on that overall price. Um, but this would be one that you could probably one-off purchase. Um, and I think it's um, a really great uh, item to, to feature. Even though I didn't get to try it, a lot of people really liked it. So definitely check that one out. Now we'll get into some of the items to maybe avoid or didn't get reviewed too well by at least our group. Um, and a lot of people that I knew actually. Uh, the first one being um, from the Golden Dreams booth. This is going to be the Elote Paleta. Now this popsicle is kind of like round two for Disney. Uh, they did a avocado guacamole one last Food and Wine Festival in 2022, which also got mixed reviews. This one is completely based on elote. So it's uh, the, the paleta itself is actually like a sweet corn um, cream base. And then there's tahine on top and crema drizzled all over it. Um, but the crema actually gets frozen because it's on the paleta, right? So that takes on a different taste. And then it has um, a dried corn, um, kind of similar to what you'd see maybe in like a cup of noodles when you open it and you haven't put the water in yet. And those little corns that are in there, that's the kind of corn that it looked like. And then it also had cilantro on top as well too. So um, I don't know. I feel like everyone who took a bite of this really didn't like it. In our group, in my friends that I knew that went as well, other people, no one liked it. I only I only talked to one person that really liked it. It was actually um, Crystal from Park Hopping Duo. She had two of them. She enjoyed them so much. Um, so it, I mean, I guess it's kind of up to you, right? If you like sweet corn, um, like a cream corn, maybe you might really enjoy this item. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, or if you kind of just want to be adventurous and try something totally unique, this was kind of one of those items that kind of, um, stood out, right? That was kind of one of their featured items that they always have kind of one of those that makes everyone go, oh my gosh, I have to try that because it's so polarizing. This is one of those. I know in the past they had like a peanut butter and jelly mac and cheese, 
Um, this, I feel like, is one of those this particular festival. So if you want to try that and be brave, feel free to try it. But just know that a lot of people really didn't like this one. Another big miss for me was from the Avocado Time booth. Now, I was really looking forward to trying this particular item because it was completely dairy-free um, and it had pineapple in it, which I usually love stuff that features pineapple. Um, but over at the Avocado Time booth, they had an impossible um, al pastor taco, which featured um, impossible pork meat um, with grilled pineapple on top. And it had an avocado tomatillo sauce. So just like your standard kind of street taco in, in, in size and shape. Um, but it had um, al pastor impossible meat. Um, which in my opinion, I've had impossible meat before. Like I said, there's been some really great adaptations. Like um, in the festival of holidays, they made meatballs for albondigas, which were incredible. It was really, really good. I had that twice during festival holidays. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, the um, impossible ground beef that they kind of seasoned to make like Jiro meat or hero meat. Um, that one was really good as well. But this impossible pork um, that was flavored to al pastor, it was not good. Uh, everything about this taco was a miss for me. The pineapples were did not do anything for it. They were kind of mushy. It didn't, it wasn't like what I thought of when I pictured grilled pineapple. Um, the only thing good on this was the avocado tomatillo sauce, um, which Disney does really well. If you ever had, um, the carne asada fries over at award wieners, it's the same tomatillo sauce that's on this taco. Um, but this one is a miss for me. The size is too small to justify the price and I wouldn't want to use a tab on it again. So, um, I don't recommend this one over at Avocado Time Booth. They had another item there with Impossible Meat that a lot of people did really like. And that one um, was the Impossible Nacho Mac and Cheese. So um, there's still an item that a lot of people really liked from that booth. So maybe check that one out instead. And lastly, another one that I kind of wanted to steer you guys away from, which I really had high hopes for because... Um, Food and Wine Festival always has specialty churros as well, too. Sometimes we forget about the churros, um, but they have some specialty churros this time. And the one that I tried was from Willie's Churro Cart, which is the one on Buena Vista Street as you're walking towards Soren. That one featured a pineapple coconut churro that had pineapple sugar dusted on it, um, pineapple topping, like what you would find maybe on top of an ice cream, and um, coconut cream icing and toasted coconut as well. So this one looked really good. Like I mentioned earlier, I like pineapple things. I like coconut things. So I was really excited to try this one. And let me tell you, um, I don't know if it's the one that I got or just how it was executed, but it was not good. Um, it's definitely, you know, I don't normally like to get specialty churros because I just typically like a, a plain churro, regular churro. Um, but I wanted to kind of venture out with this one and try it. You know, I don't usually try these ones, but the pineapple and the coconut really intrigued me. But honestly, the pineapple or the coconut cream icing and the pineapple topping, the pineapple topping was like straight out of a can. It was just like a pineapple, like paste, like jelly that you would put like on top of like a sundae from like a, you know, soft serve location or something like that. Um, so it really mixed with the coconut cream icing to make this kind of like mush on top of the pineapple churro. And it didn't really go together well. 
Um, it really just kind of made the churro soggy and didn't really add to it. Um, alternatively, they were also offering a tiramisu churro, which this one was in Hollywoodland, and a lot of people really liked this one. Um, and this one's like a chocolate-based churro. So I'd say skip the pineapple uh, coconut churro at the Buena Vista Street cart. And then if you wanted to try a specialty churro, I'd maybe go for the tiramisu one over in Hollywoodland instead. And lastly, a couple call-outs I wanted to do um, for sometimes areas people forget about is the Sonoma Terrace right next to uh, Golden Vine Winery Area, Wine Country Trattoria Restaurant. It has a sip and savor item as well, or one that you can purchase full size. And that's gonna be the Black Forest Ham Grilled Cheese. And it's on sourdough bread, and it's basically smoked mozzarella and um, black forest ham. And it's served also with a red wine poached pear jam. This one looked really, really good. Um, if you love grilled cheese, you, you should probably definitely check this one out. Uh, and this one, a lot of people forget that Sonoma Terrace has a tasting item normally. They had one during Lunar New Year Festival, during festival holidays. Don't sleep on this one. It seems like it's a really, really good one. I didn't get to try it, but I'm going to try it on my next visit for sure. And then also, just like Festival of Holidays, Paradise Garden Grill coming through with some amazing offerings, again, for Food and Wine Festival. And all of their items were plant-based. So that was kind of interesting. They had a full plant-based menu, including um, three of the four items being available for sip and savor, and one of them being only full size. So any one of the items could be ordered full size, um, but three of the four could be used for sip and saver. So if you have sip and saver, don't forget this location as well too. It's not just the booths. This is included as well as the Sonoma Terrace, like I just mentioned. So they had four different items there, not just, you know, Mexican inspired food, but all sorts. They had a torta there. They had bulgogi fried rice. They had impossible gyro fries. So that's like Mediterranean style. And they had a Buffalo mac and cheese. There was just a ton of stuff there. So, um, if you wanted to kind of have a large variety, I would say come over here to this location, but I wanted to call it out so people don't forget to head back over there if they're trying to find places to use their sip and saver pass. Overall, I'd say the California Food and Wine Festival was a success with guests, um, and I feel like they had lots of great entertainment offerings. They had fat cat swingers going on in the Paradise um, Gardens Park area where you watch World of Color on that stage. They had the um, Disney Junior stuff going on over in Hollywoodland with the Alice Wonderland Bakery um, show they had previously. They have the Jam and Chefs again, this time instead of being in Hollywoodland. It was back over by Pixar Pier um, as you were just walking in across from what San Francisco Square would be in, that, in front of that big obelisk thing. They were doing it there uh, when we were there as well too. So lots to see and do during the Food and Wine Festival, of course all the attractions available, and like we mentioned earlier, soaring over California, back over in the Grizzly Peak uh, airfield area. So um, Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival, one of the main events for the park during the year. Uh, and I feel like this year was just as good, if not better than some of the other years as far as the food offerings. A lot of spicy items. So just keep in mind, um, if, if you are sensitive to spicy stuff, uh, maybe ask the cast members when you're ordering, hey, is this item spicy? Because some of the items I expected to not be spicy were also spicy as well, too. So uh, that was kind of like a theme, I felt. Like with a lot of the food we tried, it was spicy. So 
Um, but overall, um, a lot of fun. And I can't wait to go back and try some more food items. But of course, looking towards the future, I'm going to be doing the Boysenberry Festival over at Knott's Berry Farm. Another amazing event happening always at the same time as the California Food and Wine Festival. So I'll be doing that. And of course, talking about that on this podcast as well, too. But if you've gotten this far, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate all the kind comments that everyone's been sending over DMs and email and just messages on social media platforms. I really, really appreciate it. I love that a lot of you guys like listening to this on your commute or on your way to the parks. Um, I, it's such a great uh, you know, experience to be able to see everyone's thoughts and um, opinions about the podcast. So I do appreciate that. If you haven't already, you can, of course, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. If you've just found your way over to the podcast and started streaming an episode, make sure you're subscribed so that you get the latest episodes in your listen now section or library, whatever it's called on whatever platform you're on. Of course, you can find it on Spotify, on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts as well. Um, And don't forget to leave a rating if you'd like to do so and feel so inclined as well. You can do that on all the podcast platforms as well, too, to help the podcast get better coverage and exposure um, in the same field of other people maybe listening to a similar podcast. They might be recommended this based on your rating. So that does really help as well, too. And of course, you can email the podcast if you'd like to submit a question for a future Q&A episode, because I am holding on to those for another future one. Um, Or you can just submit comments as well, too. Um, Or if you'd like to submit a topic idea for a future episode, you can do that at podcast at the 5571.com podcast at the 5571.com. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.